I'm Elena Salinas, software engineer and host of The Women in Tech Show, a podcast where we talk about what we work on, not about what it feels like to be a woman in tech. For more information about the show, go to wit.fm. That's wit.fm. Cybersecurity is about protecting systems, networks, and programs. Jen Easterly, managing director at Morgan Stanley, explained the core ideas behind cybersecurity. We talked about understanding and assessing threats and about the importance of understanding the adversary. Jen also explained what cybersecurity in financial services consists of and different roles in this domain. Prior to working at Morgan Stanley, Jen was in the U.S. Army for 20 years doing intelligence and cyber operations. Before we begin with the interview, I want to thank MongoDB for being a sponsor of the show. MongoDB is one of the most popular databases used across many modern applications. This May, they're hosting an event in New York City called MongoDB World. This is a three-day educational conference from May 4 to May 6. With over 100 sessions, tutorials, and workshops, you can grow your technical skills in MongoDB. There will be sessions about database sharding, transactions, aggregation, and more. Other sessions will cover topics in product management, diversity and inclusion, career paths, and more. At MongoDB World, you'll be a part of community events like meetups, networking, and mentoring. Check out MongoDB World on May 4 to May 6 in New York City. They're also giving you a 40% discount on a ticket using the promo code WITSHOW. That's W-I-T SHOW. To get a ticket, go to mongodb.com world and use promo code WITSHOW. Thanks, MongoDB, for being a sponsor. Jen Sterley, Managing Director at Morgan Stanley, is joining us today. Jen, welcome to the show. Thank you. Really pleased to be here. Thank you. And today we're going to talk about various topics. One of them is cybersecurity. But first, I want to begin with an overview of your trajectory and your career. You worked first in the government for three decades. Can you talk about some of the things that you worked on at this time? Sure, absolutely. Well, first, thanks for having me. It's great to be here. Uh, so yeah, so I have a, a bit of an unusual path to my current job as the global head of our Cyber Fusion Center at Morgan Stanley. I actually started out in the U.S. Army. I went to West Point um, and was in the Army for about 22 years doing intelligence and cyber operations, various uh, command and staff assignments around the world, and a few deployments to places like Haiti and the Balkans and Iraq and Afghanistan. And I spent a good bit of that time at the National Security Agency, which is, of course, the U.S. government's most technical intelligence agency. And so got a good immersion in technology uh, there and got a chance to work with some amazing, brilliant people and, and on some great projects. During that period of time, I helped to stand up the Army's uh, first cyber operations battalion. That was in the 2008 timeframe, sort of as we were waking up to cyber in the military and then got a chance to work on a small team to help stand up United States Cyber Command, which is the uh, U.S. Global Combatant Command for offensive and defensive cyber operations. So did that. 
that. And then once I retired from the Army, I was the deputy for counterterrorism at the National Security Agency focused on detecting and disrupting terrorist attacks to the U.S., And then I spent the last part of my career in government at the White House as the senior director for counterterrorism on the National Security Council staff, uh, coordinating and developing global counterterrorism and hostage policy. So a little bit of a different path, but it's one that brought me to a great opportunity at Morgan Stanley because they were looking for somebody who had a lot of experience in building technology and teams to deal with incredibly complex threats. So it's been a lot of fun. Mm -hmm. Yes, and, and we're going to talk in more detail about cybersecurity and Morgan Stanley in just a bit. Just wanted to follow up with a, cute, a few things of your time in the government. One of them is you said you helped uh, set up the first cyber operations. At what time was that? Around what time? So it was in 2008. It was interesting because I had spent part of 06 and 07 in Iraq dealing with a lot of the threats that we were confronting. If you remember back then, it was sort of the height of the violence in Iraq. Al-Qaeda had perfected a capability to build and detonate homemade bombs. And one of the things that we were asked to do was to deploy a high technology system that would help make sense of all the massive amounts of data that we were collecting about the threat. Um, so we could understand it better, illuminate these terrorist networks to enable our troops on the ground to detect and disrupt them. And so it was the first time that I really got a deep understanding of how terrorists were starting to use technology for operationalization, for mobilization to attacks, and ultimately for recruitment and radicalization, so for propaganda. And so when I came back from Iraq in uh, 2007, I was asked then by the leadership to stand up the Army's first cyber operations battalion. So it was right about them that the military realized that this was a new domain and that we would have to maneuver differently to be successful and effective and that we would have to create capability and technology to allow us to fight successfully in cyberspace and to defend the nation. In general, in your opinion, what would you say are some of the objectives of intelligence and cyber operations. Yeah. So, you know, fundamentally, as an intel officer, your job is to understand the adversary. And that's also a significant part of cybersecurity. So where I run at the Fusion Center, we have three core capabilities. One is threat intelligence to understand the threat, cyber analytics to detect the threat, and cyber event management to respond to the threat. But as, you know, 22 years in the Army as an intelligence officer, I always talk about the foundational importance of truly understanding the adversary. You need to understand the intentions of threat actors, their capabilities, their tradecraft, their tools, so that you can orient your defenses accordingly, so you can understand what type of detective analytics you need to develop, and then how you can most effectively respond to the adversary. So, and frankly, that's why I love the world of cybersecurity. Clearly, you know, technology is fantastic, but I love cyber because it's, I find it to be very intellectually stimulating because you're always playing this three-dimensional game of chess where you're trying to figure out what the adversary is doing. And as you're working on some tough technical problems, there may be an adversary on the other side of that problem. And so it makes it, um, it makes it um, a more interesting endeavor when you're always sort of thinking about what steps an adversary is going to take and how to position yourself effectively to stay one step ahead of that enemy. Mm -hmm. So would that be 
would classify as cybersecurity, just understanding your adversary and building tools around that? Yeah, I think that's a fundamental part. I mean, at its core, cybersecurity is all about protecting our systems and our networks and our programs. And cybersecurity in my current job is protecting the firm and our clients. What I do at the Fusion Center is really sort of the core of cybersecurity operations. So the focus on understanding the threat, being able to assess the threat to enable a predictive analysis of the threat environment, and then the analytics side, being able to make sense of all the massive amounts of data, similar to the problem we had in Iraq, where we were trying to make sense of all the data we were collecting about the adversary. Because we are a big firm, we're very complex, we have a lot of capabilities, we need to be able to create analytics to really make sense of all the data that we're collecting to enable us to reduce the noise that sometimes comes from all of those alerts and data and increase the quality signal so that we can create more effective signal for our incident responders, both our cyber incident response team who are looking for uh, signs of malicious activity from external threats as well as uh, insider threats. So that's a core piece of what we do. And then finally, our cyber event management team are very focused on orchestrating a response with all of our key stakeholders across the firm to any threats, vulnerabilities, or incidents that could incur risk. So they're driving the plan to mitigate any risk to our clients, regulatory, reputational risk. Mm -hmm. So you're mentioning threats a lot and how it's important to understand them, assess them, predict. And you also talk about how they're external threats and internal threats. In general, can you give some examples of threats so people get an idea of, you know, the kinds of things we might see? Sure. So you think about the cyber threat landscape, and there are many threat actors out there that we track closely from nation state actors to cyber criminals, sort of organized crime gangs. We look at hacktivists, we look at terrorists, we look at insiders, and there are many, many threat actors out there. So we have to figure out the ones that we care about the most. So we look at the intention, whether that's denying access to data, encrypting data, destroying data, disrupting it. And then we look at the capability looking at tools and tradecraft. And then we look at the context. So whether a, a threat actor has ever targeted the firm or the cyber or the financial services sector helps us understand where we really need to focus our resources. But as we look across the landscape, it's really about the confidentiality, the integrity, and the availability of our data. So when I talk about confidentiality, I mean bad guys who are trying to steal our data. And you see um, almost every day now a data breach. So you see all kinds of data breaches for one reason or another. When I talk about integrity, you're talking about threat actors who are modifying data. So within the global banking system, we're very focused on international payments. So the SWIFT system, the Society for Worldwide Interbank Financial Telecommunications. So threats to that. We saw very famously in 2016, the theft of $81 million from the Central Bank of Bangladesh, which really illuminated the vulnerability of the global banking system. So that is something that we focus on and why uh, in the big banks are putting so much exotic controls around their payment system. It's so critical. And then of course, availability. I mean, famously, if you go back to the 2011 to 2014 timeframe, there were the distributed denial of service attacks uh, by a group that went by the name the Al-Qassam Cyberfighters essentially flooding websites at dozens of institutions across Wall Street with massive amounts of data so that clients and customers and employees couldn't get to them. So denying access to that data, that was a you know another big wake-up call. And I think it's one of the reasons why the banks have gotten ahead of this threat when you look at all the critical infrastructure sectors. So that's been a big deal, but then also all kinds of flavors of ransomware. 
that we've seen affecting many of the municipalities across the U.S. And famously, there was the WannaCry global ransomware outbreak in 2017. And then, of course, destructive malware, things like NotPetya that occurred in July of 2017, you know, the most expensive cyber attack that affected multinationals around the world to the tune of, I think, between 10 and $20 billion. So we're looking at all of these events that happened so that we can make sure that we're learning from them. We also use these scenarios to drive our exercise program because we want to be able to practice dealing with these threats that we think are either most dangerous or most probable to the firm before it's game day. Mm -hmm. So we have a pretty robust program to make sure that we're walking through our paces both internally within the firm, but then very importantly within the sector. And I think that's one of the best news stories that I found since I joined Uh, the firm is that the big banks, while they're super competitive about talent and they're super competitive about business, they're not competitive about sharing information about threats and vulnerabilities and tradecraft and incidents that can keep the entire sector safe, which I think is a really good news story. So you said they do share that kind of knowledge. Yeah, absolutely. And there are several industry trade groups. There's the FSI SAC, which is the Financial Sector Information Sharing and Analysis Center. And that's been around since 1999. Morgan Stanley was a founding member and it has thousands of members. So that's a lot of sharing of information. In 2016, though, the FSARC was set up, which is the Financial Systemic Analysis and Resilience Center. And that's all of the big banks. So that's really focused on the health and security of the system. And we're sharing information with our peer financial institutions on a very regular basis, which again is a great news story because what we see today may be a lead indicator for what another bank may experience tomorrow. So we look at it as uh, we're all in this together, which I think is important, particularly given my background, which a lot of my time was spent in the world of counterterrorism. And the big lesson learned after 9-11 was just the absolute criticality of breaking down the walls and sharing as much information as possible as we can to keep us safe. Yes, definitely. So you listed various threats and some of them I do clearly identify them as external threats. What do you mean when you're talking about insider threats or internal threats? What are some examples of things that can happen? Yeah, so insiders are just as big a threat as well. These are disgruntled employees who might want to take advantage of their knowledge, their insider knowledge of the firm to steal data, to steal proprietary information about clients or all kinds of things. And so we help to build analytics uh, to feed into our insider threat team so they can understand the type of folks that we might need to be focused on. And this is, of course, a problem across the entire sector, but it's one of those threat actors that we need to focus on. Yeah. And it's not unique to like banks or financial no, institutions. No, not Pretty at much all. Any company that's using technology. Absolutely. Or any company at all, right? You could yeah. have disgruntled employees that try and take yeah. advantage of their insider knowledge. And so clearly a focus area for everybody in industry. You work at Morgan Stanley, a multinational investment bank and financial services company. Can you explain what Morgan Stanley does? Sure. So we are one of the big global banks. Uh, we're headquartered in Manhattan, but we have headquarters all over the world. I think we're in a, about 40 countries. We have about uh, 70,000 employees. Technology is a huge part of that. Um, a huge amount of focus in particular from our senior leadership on cybersecurity. They understand that it's existential 
financial threat. And so they've invested a huge amount of money in talent and technology and infrastructure and process. It's one of the reasons why I chose to come to this firm after almost 30 years in the U.S. government. We have uh, two key arms, our wealth management, which are financial advisors who are managing the wealth of our clients. And then we have institutional services, uh, which are things like our investment banking, our global capital markets, our equities, our prime brokerage that works with hedge funds, our fixed income, and our research. So very strong arms. Uh, We've been around since 1935. And I found it to be a fantastic place to work, first and foremost, because we really are grounded in our core values, which are putting clients first, leading with exceptional ideas, doing the right thing and giving back. You know, I know a lot of firms have their core values. I always you know, laugh that Enron had as a core value integrity, you know, but at the end of the day, it really matters if your senior leadership are living their values. And I have been very pleasantly surprised that that is in fact the case um, at this firm. And so it's a really, um, it's a great firm and a great culture to be a part of where people are very collaborative. And then with Infusion, we're very mindful that researchers estimate there will be 3.5 million unfilled cybersecurity jobs by the year 2021. So we're already in negative percent unemployment. And it's not enough for us just to come to awesome places like the Grace Hopper Celebration and to recruit the best, uh, the best talent in the world. We need to build a culture that really retains that talent. And so that's about collaboration and ownership and inclusion and initiative and innovation and empowered execution. So within the culture of the firm that's very strong, I think it's really important for anybody who is leading a cybersecurity organization to really think about the culture that you want to incentivize and cultivate. Because I always say, you know, at the end of the day, technology and cybersecurity in particular It's not about code and it's not about computers, it's about people. And so you have to figure out a way to unlock the potential of your people. And that's the art of leadership in my view. Yes, and like you said, it's it's not enough just to have the list of values. And you did mention, you know, Enron and how their value was integrity. For those that don't have a lot of context on this, can you just give a quick overview of this? Sure. It was a big company that it was discovered that they were essentially defrauding their clients and it all collapsed and their many of their senior leadership went to jail. Yeah. So they weren't really cultivating this integrity value. No, I think they had, you know, they talked, but they didn't talk the talk and walk the walk. And that's so important because everybody has values. But at the end of the day, if you're, if you're not living your values, use every day, then they don't mean that much at all. Yes, definitely. And I want to talk now more about the leadership aspects, you know, of your career and different kinds of roles that can exist in cybersecurity. Can you talk a little bit about this? Sure, yeah. So I think the cool thing is that cybersecurity truly takes a village, is the saying. And there's two things we say about fusion. One is Fusion is a team sport uh, because our success is entirely based on the partnerships that we develop across technology, across our business, and even with our external partners, whether that's uh, nonprofits that we work with, academia, and then most critically, our peer financial institutions. So it truly is a partnership model. And the type of skills that we have, even within Fusion itself, which ranges from threat intelligence to cyber analytics to cyber event management, range the gamut of skill sets. So for threat 
Intel, we are really looking at people who are very analytical, um, who can synthesize massive amounts of information, do assessments and analysis and explain why we should care about that information, how it's relevant to Morgan Stanley and the financial services sector. So that's one skill set. Our cyber analytics, that is our coders and developers and our programmers who are building detective methodology to make sure that we stay one step ahead of the adversary. So those are, you know, our true computer science, as well as our data science. And that's where we have a focus on artificial intelligence and machine learning. And then our incident responders, our cyber event management team, they are crisis responders. Mm -hmm. So some of these folks come from military backgrounds where they've been deployed numerous times like I have, and they can deal with high intensity crisis situations. They can manage a process. They can manage a team where they're bringing in a bunch of different people that might not work directly for them, but those are stakeholders that are critical to solving a problem. Um, So they have the technical aspect, but I think importantly, they also have the emotional intelligence aspect because when when people see a crisis, some uh, don't necessarily react as effectively as you would want to. So you truly need that leadership to lead a process uh, that's calm, uh, that's focused, and that really makes sure that we maintain uh, the confidence of our clients, of our senior leadership, of all of the stakeholders that are out there. So different skill sets. And then, of course, in the broader organization, uh, there are things like security architecture, there's vulnerability management, there's an insider threat team. So there's all kinds of different things and capabilities. So when people talk about cybersecurity, it's not all about programming and developing and and those skills there is many things that you can do and then even on the on the other side there's policy there's risk management so it really is a very very broad field that we need to define broadly and you said earlier that you're in a negative number in terms of the people that are yeah there's more jobs out there than there are people right now and so figuring out how we start bringing people in to the cybersecurity world and opening up the opportunities for them. One of the things that I'm working on is a nonprofit endeavor called Cyber Nation, where we're bringing together the world's cyber experts and the world's greatest storytellers. So Oscar caliber filmmakers, producers, writers, and directors, essentially to inspire and to educate and to entertain audiences from K through gray. So on all aspects of cyber, the technology, the threats, the laws, the norms, the ethics, what it fundamentally means to be a good digital citizen. And we're building short films and documentaries and animated stories and podcasts and peer-to-peer journalism where uh, journalism students will interview their computer science and cybersecurity students. So building full content to really demystify cyber and ensure that our way of life continues to flourish in the digital realm, really by tapping into the fundamental desire to listen to a good story. So one of the things that I think you have to be really good at um, in some areas of cybersecurity is being able to communicate. So it is important that in many cases, when you're trying to explain what the risk is, particularly to the business who may not have a technical understanding, you need to have to translate that technical understanding, that vision for non-technical people. So the communications aspect of it is really important as well. That sounds really interesting. And you said it's called CyberNation, right? Yeah, CyberNation. Absolutely. Yeah, I can provide you more information or our, or our website. It's just, just getting off the ground. And it's um, a really important project. Because the idea is you got to start at the youngest of ages. Yep. And you also have to really focus on diversity. And that's a core value for us. 
And it's important to me, not just diversity of gender or of ethnicity, it's really ultimately diversity of thought and experience and background, because that's the way that you're going to solve your most difficult problems is by bringing together people who think differently, who feel like they can really use their imagination to solve problems in an environment where they feel like they can bring their bold ideas to the table. Yeah. And from what you're describing, so you're talking about how there's more jobs than people, but then you go on and describe some of the jobs and applications. A lot of this sounds like skills that you could have in another job, but you're applying them to the security domain, for example, data analysis, machine learning. So if people are listening, you know, they may be doing machine learning for a different kind of company in the health space or, you know, delivering food, they could work in cybersecurity. They, they don't need to know about security itself, but they could onboard. Would you say that's accurate? Yeah, absolutely. I think when you're talking about hiring new employees, I really am looking for two fundamental things as the global head of this organization. First, I'm looking for aptitude. Mm -hmm. um, so it's good to have a background in some sort of uh, computer science area or in some sort of software engineering area. It's great to have a cybersecurity background, although not all my folks have that background. That's really our core cyber analytics team. But you know, when you're bringing in associate Level, brand new folks, maybe out of college or their grad school, I'm really looking for attitude because I think you can always train people in cybersecurity if they have the aptitude for it, but you can't necessarily change people's attitude. So it's really important to be a good cultural fit for our organization, someone who is genetically wired to be helpful and kind, somebody who's a team player, somebody who is collaborative, somebody who is imaginative and innovative. So that's really at the end of the day what I'm looking for at the at the entry level. And you know, we're here at, at the Grace Hopper celebration and that's been a fantastic opportunity to meet some amazing talent who may be working in fields of computer science but may have an interest in cybersecurity. And one of the things that I always say about cybersecurity is that it's a very purpose-driven mission because your role is to defend the space from threat actors. So in the case of Morgan Stanley, we're a key piece of the global financial system, global financial ecosystem. And so it's fantastic to come to work every day to work with some of the most creative and imaginative and talented cyber entrepreneurs who are focused on keeping the firm and by extension, the financial ecosystem safe. And so it's a very purpose-driven mission. And that's what's important for me. You know, I spend most of my career in public service working to protect the nation. And so by extension, this mission of protecting the financial services sector has been really intrinsically rewarding to me. Mm -hmm. What would you say to to someone that's, you know, mid-career that are thinking, maybe they're curious about cybersecurity, what could be a way in, in which they could approach getting into this field? Yeah. So it sort of depends on what their background is. If they have a grounding in some aspect of security, if they have a grounding in technology or computer science, that's a good start. But there are so many different courses and certifications that are out there these days. Some of them you can take for free. Some of them cost a little bit of money, but that can help you understand various aspects of the cybersecurity world. Again, it's not just about programming and developing and coding, that is a significant part of it. But there's so many other things that you can do in the risk management world or the cyber threat intel world or forensic analysis or incident response or vulnerability management. There are a bunch of different 
type of capabilities and skills that are out there and a lot of or policy as well. So it's a very, very broad and exciting field. So if there's anybody who's listening who would like to talk more about the opportunity space here, I would love to have a conversation. All right. Well, thank you, Jen, for taking the time to come on the show. Yeah, thanks so much. Thanks.